This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. A uh, little weird not recapping a game last night, I'll be honest with you. I was looking around yeah, for something to yeah. watch. Or, or the Manning cast, you know? Yeah, oh, that's geez. a good point. <laughs> but you, you just can't resist. You just can't what? resist uh, opening up the show. You just got to be negative. Can't we just have a positive sports talk I'm radio show for negative. once? I'm not negative. I told you, I actually watched the Manning cast. Well, listen, that makes one of us. Um, but uh, we do have a, a situation uh, that... I'm starting to get a bad feeling about when it comes to uh, the future of Tom Brady and uh, whether or not he's going to return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this was uh, Tom Brady addressing the speculation, the growing speculation that retirement is a real option. Uh, here he was on the Let's Go podcast via Sirius XM NFL Radio. Well, I think the point is there's no really rush for me to uh, to figure out what's next. You know, I'll know when I know. And um, it's to, it's a day after the season. So I think for all of us, you know, we can all decompress a bit. It's been six straight months of football every day consumed by, you know, day in and day out football. And I think now it's just some time to spend some time with my family and spend some time with, you know, my kids. And, uh, Hello. you know, every year I just have to make sure that I have the ability to commit to what the team really needs. And that's a, that's a really important to me. The team doesn't deserve anything less than my best. And if I feel like I'm not committed to that or I can't play at a championship level, then you got to give someone else a chance to play. You know, we'll see. You know, again, there's a long time between now and the start of next football season. And, you know, I've got to really figure those things out, which is probably natural for anyone. Okay. Uh, I'm getting a bad feeling about this. Uh, it, it, I'm starting to get the sense that uh, maybe this isn't a I can't do it from a playing standpoint anymore. Uh, move, but maybe a, you know, there's other things going on, and I'm starting to get the feeling that he's going to walk away, which pisses me off, as I said yesterday. I Why know, does that man. upset you? I just, I want to see him go as, as long, until the wheels go off. I want to see him go out on his no. shield. That's, Why not? No, no one wants to see that. I do. Come on. You don't want to see Tom Brady and be like, you know what? I might be able to do what he does now. Now that I look at it, you know, I think I can actually do that too. But in all seriousness, I, I would love to see him. I, I still think he could play at a high level. I still think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And to walk away now, I just I feel like we're going to miss out on at least another year or two of really good football. I don't know. I, that, that's, again, again, but what if, what if Tom Brady – is looking at the scenario and feels as though they've hit their ceiling. And 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 if he feels as though this team has hit their ceiling and there's nothing more he can do in terms of of the the achievement of of this team, I'm certain he's not looking to go to another team and and try to start over no matter how loaded that team may be. So it's a very real it's a very real approach to it's a very sensible approach to the offseason. He has to wait and see what they're going to do personnel wise before I would assume before he makes a definitive decision on this is a team that I can win with. This is a team that I can't win with. And I think that that's. I think that that's really the message that's in what it is that he's saying. Like, I know he used, you know, the family. He'll use that this time to spend with his family. But if he wants to continue to play, he'll get the itch to want to continue to start an, an off-season regiment to, to prepare himself for next season. I think it has everything to do with who is going to be back 
for Tampa Bay next year and and what does this team look like in terms of what he's trying to accomplish at this late stage of his career? I think it's a great point about the offseason regimen only because I think one of the things that's allowed him to excel and even at 44 turning 45 years of age to lead the league in passing yards and everything else that he's done is has his been his commitment in the offseason. You know, he, he has made this a lifestyle. I mean, he's, he's almost like a vegan, but it's like the TB12 method, right? <laughs> like, put a, put a bumper sticker on the back and, and, you know, whatever else. But the truth is, when the season ends, he might decompress for a week or two, but, you know, him and his trainer are right back to it. His diet doesn't really change. And he's preparing, you know, almost like a, a world-class Olympic athlete would. Where everyone's like, oh, well, you know, they prepare for that four years. No, they don't. They prepare for that one moment at world championships every year. That's how they go about preparing. It's the same thing for Tom Brady. I think the difference is it's not a world championship in the sense of of competing in 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 Olympic events. The world championship is the Super Bowl. And so every single year, that's how he goes about training. And I think it is truly an entire year process. And so he can say, well, I want to take my time out. we saw videos of him last year in the offseason running 40s, throwing footballs to try to clock out, see how high, how, how fast the velocity, if it's still there. We saw all of that made its way onto social media. You think he's, he's going to be taking days off? I mean, he might take a little time off, not that much. I mean, he's used to, again, playing into February. So he might say, well, I, I was accustomed to that, so I'm going to take my time here as we head towards the Super Bowl. But once the Super Bowl's over with, I'm starting to train again for that following season because that's what I've always done in my career, at least, you know, looking at the past two decades. So I think the offseason and how he goes about preparing himself plays a huge role in when he decides, like, is this going to be what I want to do again? Because he sacrificed so much of his life for the game of football and to not be with his family. And this is one of those opportunities now where I think he's got some time to reflect, but I don't think it's as much time as he leads to believe. And I also think the team has to make a lot of those decisions, right? So it's not like they can hang around for that long. If everyone's sitting around and, and their list of free agents stream, Chris Godwin and JPP and Ryan Jensen and Dominican Sue, Gronk, Leonard Fournette, OJ Howard, uh, Ronald Jones, Giovanni Bernard, almost their entire backfield, Carlton Davis. I mean, they've got a ton of guys who are free agents. A lot of those guys might be saying, well, I'm waiting to see what Tom's going to do. So if he's, if that, that's the domino effect. I mean, he can't wait that long. Otherwise, he's kind of putting those players and the team in a, in a tough spot. Do you think he has a feeling or do you think he has an idea of what he wants to do? You know, I think it's funny. If they're waiting to see what Tom is doing, because Tom may be waiting to see what they're doing. So they better make sure they get on the same page as to what it is that they think they're going to do in terms of if, if we're going to go somewhere else or if we're going to stay. And listen, I, I think there's no reason to, to doubt that that they will have those those conversations. But again, now the, the, the discussion point has to become are there greener pastures for those names that that you just mentioned Brady is there is there better opportunity elsewhere versus doing it the way that they did it um coming off of the Super Bowl now for what it's worth 
they could have very easily won that game. I yeah. mean, you can look at the way that game turned out and say, you know what, we're we're a couple injuries away from being a team that's hold almost basically like how Kansas City was last year um, and coming up short. They they had a, a, a very critical piece of their offensive line. Um, well, two people that were, were injured um, – and and so you can look at it and say if we if we're if we're healthy this is a game that maybe turns out differently and we're still right there in the mix and in the hunt to try to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl if that's your theory and that's your reasoning as a team then maybe you do sit there and collectively as a group you say you know are are you coming back Tom I'm going to come back if you come back but if you don't feel as though that's the case or you feel as though there's going to be the opportunity because agents will always get in the way of things a lot of times. And if an agent comes back to their client and says that, listen, you need to hold steady because you've played well enough to to get a, a superior contract to the one that you currently have, you may see that play out as well. Some people may choose their own personal financial agenda over the agenda of winning a Super Bowl. So it's just a matter of it's going to be a matter of what guy's major priority is um, heading into this offseason. Right. And we kind of talked about yesterday, too, right? Like that's something that you know, you make that decision and it's a little easier after you win one together. Right? It's easier selling that after last season versus this season where you don't win it. Because I'm sure that doubt creeps in their mind, too. Like, yeah, maybe this run is done. You know, maybe we won our Super Bowl together, but I'm another year older and I want to go somewhere else where I can cash in or I want to go somewhere else where maybe I feel like this team now has a better chance of being able to do it. I feel like he would be more motivated to want to come back now. Had they won a Super Bowl? And now that you start to think back and all the reports and Brady, as you pointed out yesterday, that there were people in attendance at this game that maybe wouldn't normally have been there in years past. Um, you know, maybe sort of the swan song and how this whole thing was going to go. Had they won a Super Bowl this year, I think he would have walked away. I, I, I still think he's more likely than not to return just based on I don't want to go out like that. Because as LeVar said, look, man, the way that game was going – the Rams were on their heels, and if not for a blown coverage, uh, if this game goes into overtime and they want a coin toss, I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? Stupid coverage. Yeah, I mean, like I just look at it and I go, man, everything was tilted towards Tampa Bay, and that one play completely changed everything. I just I find it hard to believe that he wants to go out like that, especially if he's still playing at a high level, and yeah. he does have the year left on his contract you, as well. You know, too. you know what else? Just super quickly is. Man, I, I know he doesn't want a, a hero swan song and, and the, the I'm retiring tour. But if he were to retire at some point in time during this offseason, I just feel like I would be dirty. Like it would be incomplete. Like something isn't right that we didn't know during the season or like there wasn't a, a time during football, which is what Tom Brady represents. He's football. If he retired now and, and we had no inkling of, of the idea that this was going to be it, man, it just feels like that would be like almost like a car hitting a wall in terms of how, how his career – and at least for me, I, I would – man, I would love for him to, to at least give his fans and give the people that have, have really, really admired and, and grown to love him through the years an opportunity to have that kind of final moments of like, okay, I, I can prepare myself for the fact that this is going to be it for Tom. 
You know, he came, he came into the league, though, not like a first overall pick where everyone expected it, right? Yeah. He, he came in due to injury, came in, and that's where he started to build himself. I, I wonder if he cares about that. Like, he, he'll, that, he'll always have that moment where people can appreciate him. He kind of had it, I guess, in, in New England to a degree, but – the reality is when, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, yeah, well, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like that's, that's when you're yeah. going to get the appreciation for what he's done and been the greatest all time. The greatest, really, you could say one of the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. he far surpasses even anything people are talking about from a football standpoint. Uh, it's I a, selfishly hope he does. Selfishly. I do too. Yeah, I, I want I want the farewell tour. I want I want all the Brady haters to be pissed off every time he's given like a parting gift from whatever road city. But he you goes also to. want him to be out there in a wheelchair. From hey, what you're saying, listen, well, I, 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 go until the wheels come off. I'm telling you, like oh, like go until you're falling apart. You I know, mean, like, some would say he has. Yeah, well, look, I mean, uh, I, I don't think it's reached the level of Drew Brees or uh, Peyton Manning. And by the way, the whole uh, I don't want a farewell. Tour. I'm so tired of guys saying I don't want a farewell tour. I do. Let me tell you something. If I'm playing, oh. I want a farewell tour. I want all. This has to do with disheveled. No, it has to do with Nobody it knows anything about that. They have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's uh, your old band. You never got a farewell tour. Listen, it's not that complicated. Well, there, oh, there's, no. there's, there's reasons behind that. Is that um, true, Jonas? Well, there's reasons behind <laughs> that. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So we talked uh, earlier in the show about uh, the potential of Tom Brady walking away. Is is this the end for Tom Brady uh, in Tampa Bay? Uh, now we transition over to, is this the end for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Uh, and this was his head coach, Matt LaFleur, addressing the situation on Aaron Rodgers' quarterback yesterday. I sat down and talked to Aaron today for quite some time. What we talked about, I'm definitely going to keep between him and myself, but um, we're hopeful that he'll be back next year, obviously. I mean, this guy has done so much for such a long period of time for this organization, for this city, for this team. And so I, I want to be respectful of his process, whatever he needs to go through to, to make the best decision for himself. And certainly we would love for him to be a Packer and be a Packer until the day he, he decides to retire. You obviously said you guys want Aaron, or you want Aaron back, and, and you want him to retire here. Is that the final organizational decision on that, or is there still, you know, some debate about, you know, that you guys have to have um, to make sure you guys want to move forward with him for another year? No, every every conversation I've been involved in with Goody and Russ and Mark, we're all on the same page there. So there, there's no debate. All right, so there it is. There's uh, Matt LaFleur, the uh, head coach of the Green Bay Packers. No debate. They want Aaron Rodgers back. And now we uh, we get to wait and see whether or not uh, Aaron Rodgers decides to come back. As he pointed out, they got cap issues. Uh, Devontae Adams is a major question mark. But uh, this could be a, uh, a franchise-changing offseason for the Green Bay Packers as a whole, the way this works. I think the difficulty for the Packers is – in an instance where they went through this before, obviously, with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you had a glimpse into what Aaron Rodgers truly was or could be. Um, There's a game in Dallas where he came in for Favre. He, he played great. They didn't win, but he brought them back. And that was one of the first signs. Um, just, you know, talk to some people. I remember early in Aaron's career where they said, you know, this, th- that's it. Like, that was that moment where he said, okay, th- this guy can do it. He can get it done. 
And the rest obviously, you know, took off from there. We haven't had that moment for Jordan Love. And, you know, we weren't talking about Brett Favre as a league MVP at that point in his career for the Packers necessarily. So it's a little different when you're talking about a two-time league MVP and what he's done. That's what you'd be moving on from. It's just it's hard to move on from that, you know, And, and, and then watching him go play somewhere else and then, you know, looking like you're the you're the team that should be wearing the dunce cap for moving on from him. But he's got a say in all this. He is an Aaron Rodgers. And their team has to make a lot of considerations to the cap, which is going to impact how he feels about it. I mean, if they move on from a number of defensive pieces, let's say Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, that opens up cap space. And Rashawn Gary's played great. He's done exactly what they drafted him to be. But he has to be extended, and then so does Jerry Alexander, who's been another draft piece that's, that's worked out well. And so you've got to juggle that on defense along with figuring out how to absorb Aaron's cap and Devontae Adams if it's an extension or the franchise tag, whatever the case may be. And that's what make this, it makes this all very difficult. And then still looming in all of this is Matt LaFleur could say what he wants, but ultimately the roster, that's up to Brian Gutenkunst. How this whole thing operates, that's up to Mark Murphy. And those were the two people that, you know, Aaron didn't have as good of a relationship with, at least reportedly, um, this entire offseason that led to all the drama that we saw this past year. And so if Mark Murphy, you know, isn't if he's not going to step down or someone's not going to take his place, and if Brian Gutenkunst looks at this and says, look, this will be a whole heck of a lot easier if we move on with Jordan Love now, we get some draft picks in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. This would make the most sense for us moving forward. So it might just be the right timing, I think. Maybe not what they want to do, but the right timing for all parties involved. Who makes the decision on front office guys losing their jobs? Is, is it a board? I, I'm assuming <laughs> well, it's, there's it's, a board. It's different for, it's different for Mark Murphy because he's the president. So ultimately, the, he's, and he acts as the owner. It's, it's the most unique scenario in the NFL, which is why this whole thing is complicated. So you're looking at a situation where it would probably have to be that board that would then push out Mark Murphy in order to appease Aaron Rodgers, which is a precedent that I don't think anyone would want to set. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that they would do it for Aaron Rodgers. I'm just – I guess the premise of where I'm trying to go with what I'm thinking right now is – if Mark Murphy has the the, if he's vulnerable enough to be fired, removed from his his seat, and and obviously the GM being removed from their seat, if you move on from from Aaron Rodgers, if you do not try, if you do not make it outward to the public that you tried to get him signed back to the team, and he opted out of it, he chose not to do it, then I would assume. You're running the risk of this team going so far back in terms of their ability to have success. I don't see Jordan Love being that guy, at least not yet, not right now. It doesn't appear that he can come in and carry the load the way that it would be close to or comparable for this team to move on from Aaron Rodgers. So if that experiment went really bad, went awry, where does that leave 
the front office in terms of their job security because whatever the answer to that question is, I think will hold the most bearing on how they approach wanting to get this done with Aaron Rodgers. That's what I would assume because if you're if you're looking at Jordan Love and you brought in Jordan Love to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and you're not confident that, that Jordan Love is that guy, then you had better buy you a little bit more time in terms of what you're going to do with Aaron Rodgers or show that we tried to bring Aaron Rodgers back and it was Aaron Rodgers that chose not to come back. Which I don't think Aaron has a problem with that. You know, I mean, he, he almost did in this past offseason. It didn't, it didn't seem like he had a problem with really saying or doing anything, <laughs> at least this past offseason. Yeah, so. that's fair. Yeah. I just wonder if Rodgers looks at it. Like, I wonder if Rodgers is thinking like this. What's going to give me the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl? Because let's just say Tom Brady walks away. I mean, does he really want to? And I know Denver's been thrown out there. If you're if you're Aaron Rodgers, you really want to have to deal with you know Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes twice a year, all season long. The Raiders, who are a playoff team, depending on where they go and what direction they go. Um, you know Josh Allen's in the AFC. I wonder if he looks at this and says, I might be better off just staying in Green Bay or staying in the NFC. And maybe that's why we talked about Philadelphia and and the odds of Philadelphia being even a threat. But they've got the draft capital they they could part with multiple yeah, first round picks if that why would you move. just go to a place that you have no desire to go to just to go to another place i don't know i mean like I, you you'd be better off like you'd be better off staying put and i and i think that's where you know he'll look at what options are out there but that's what you're talking about is that's that's if people think the betting odds are that way for that reason it's more about the draft capital in Green Bay, less about Aaron Rodgers. It ain't going to happen. Like, he's, he's not at this point in his career just going to go to a place to go to a place. Like, there has to be an incentive. There has to be a reason. It's why I think there is a domino effect of if the Denver Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett. You know what you're walking into there with Hackett being the head coach. You're going to know the system. They, they obviously have a talented roster. And as I said yesterday – quarterbacks aren't wired to give a crap about who else they have to go up against. You don't think that he doesn't think he's going to be able to beat whoever he's going to play? He's been the league MVP in back-to-back years. He's not worried about the other quarterbacks he's got to go up against. He realizes it may be tough. He just wants to go to a place that has the best team built out around him. And, and I also think there's an element of, look, he's been in Green Bay for the entirety of his career. Like, Denver's a badass place to live. Like, I think there's that element of it, too, where people may not think that makes that big of a difference. I, I think in some people's heads, like, it might not be a bad changeup for him to go somewhere else like that where, you know, maybe he's willing to stay there more in the offseason. It's not something where you're going to an offseason home from Green Bay, which, you know, a majority of players do up there. They're not living there all year round. And Denver does have a top 10 pick this year. So there is there is that that could you know probably make it. Well, I mean, wonder what do you think gets the deal done? Multiple. It's going to take this year's first round if you're Denver. Next year's first round, probably the next two years' first and second round picks. I would imagine it would take those the the next two years' draft classes, first and second round. So you got four picks there, and then you're looking at potentially another piece on the roster. And that's where if I'm Denver. I would offer up some wide receivers because, A, Green Bay needs it. We talked about the fact that, you know, Adams is on a restricted free agent. They have to figure out what to do with him. 
You've got Alan Lazard, who's an unrestricted free agent. Valdez Scantley's a restricted free agent. You know, Cobb's uh, a cap. He's going to be a cap casually. He'll be released. So you've got a lot of pieces on that roster that are, they're, they're going to potentially move on from. So you could end up offering up some wide receivers to help them build that. And then in exchange, where Devontae Adams pulls a little magic trick and he ends up saying, yeah, I'm not playing for you guys. Uh, either maybe a free agent or let's do a little side-and-trade type thing where they can get him down to Devers so he can play uh, with Aaron Rodgers, where they get more assets or more draft capital out of it. And they also have the uh, the Von Miller trade, uh, scored him, uh, I think, another second-round pick as well, too. Uh, second and a third, if I'm not mistaken. Um uh, if uh, I think that's how it worked, but they got a second round pick there. So it does seem like there is an opportunity there. Um, and then the Devonte Adams, quite, I, I wonder how much of a package deal it is. And does it make sense if you're green Bay and say you lose Aaron Rodgers? does it make sense to put all that money and pay a guy like Devonte Adams when you just lost Aaron Rodgers, or does it make more sense to either you franchise him for one year or just let him walk and not have to worry about it, not commit to a wide receiver, that sort of money when you realize we're probably going to take a, take a hit here and, and be on a little bit of a rebuild over the next couple of years. It is a rebuild. It yeah. is a rebuild. So, I mean, I, I think you answered that question. I don't think you're going to break the bank for, for one player if you're in the midst of starting a rebuild. Jeez, Even if man. it's Devontae Adams. I, I, I think what they have in their favor is if you're Green Bay, I mean, you could look at it one of two ways. You got Minnesota who's got to hire a new head coach, new general manager, and Cousins who's on the last year of his deal. And so you don't know what direction that organization is going to go in. If they move on from Cousins and maybe they look at it and say, we want to rebuild. Okay. So you kind of catch them at the right time. Chicago's got to hire a new head coach, new general manager, right? So you're kind of catching them in a decision where they've got a roster they need to figure out. They've got a quarterback in the future, but they've got to figure out a lot of things. And you've got the Lions, who were the worst team in you know, the NFC North. But, you know, look, maybe they're building up. But I think they're still – the roster's probably still a long ways away of being where it needs to be. So you look at it one of two ways. Either you say, well, maybe the time's right for us now – to make that transition because it might be easier for Jordan Love to, to play within the NFC North given that's everything a, around him. That's a great point. That's or you say point. we could just continue to keep beating down them for one more year. This is going to be the best place to try to get that number one <laughs> overall seed again, even though it, it didn't really benefit him this year. You could get the number one seed even not being that good in a rebuild because of how bad the NFC North is. So, so well, it's a great point. So basically the, the Packers are looking around the division going, this place sucks, man. Like, and why be, not? And A-Rod hasn't won but one Super Bowl, so Relax. you're like, hey, we could, if we're making it, if we're oh, still man. making it to the playoffs as a number one seed, we can't do any worse than what we did this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like your, your downside uh, risk is like, all right, like let's go with Jordan Love. Let's see if we have enough point. pieces to make this work and then maybe we catch you know everyone else who's also rebuilding right now in the nfc north and 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 maybe that ends up working out in their favor and again they had the number one overall seed in the nfc this year it still didn't matter for them at the end of the day so you know maybe maybe they look at this as the time to move on but again there's there's so many working parts be sure to catch live editions of two pros in a cup of joe with brady quinn lavar errington and jonas knox weekdays at 6 a.m eastern 3 a.m. Pacific. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, 
what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. So there's been a lot of discussion uh, about this uh, Bills-Chiefs game, of course, because it's one of the great playoff games we've seen. Um, you know, 25 points scored in the final two minutes. Uh, it goes to <laughs> it's overtime. Ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, go to overtime, and uh, and you see uh, what happened there where, you know, Buffalo didn't get a chance to touch the football, similar to what happened in the Super Bowl Patriots-Falcons or Patriots-Chiefs um, in the AFC title game a few years ago. And so uh, Andy Reid, the uh, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He spoke about the overtime rules and the debate that is uh, ensued after that game. I had a chance to talk with Sean afterwards, and you know that's I'm sure something that they're, they're going to look at again too. And I, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I, I just that's a hard thing. I mean, one team it was great for us last night, but is it great for the game? Which is the most important thing that we should all be looking out for to make things equal. It probably needs to be able to. Uh, hit both uh, both offenses both defenses so all right, so there it is. That is uh, Andy Reid saying uh, everybody needs a fair chance uh, at getting a uh, getting an opportunity in overtime, not just this, uh, if you score a touchdown, it's over, and the other team has to sit on their ass and watch while you celebrate on the field afterwards. So, <laughs> how, many, um, how, many times, how many times have we had this conversation during the course of this season? I mean... Uh, well, it, it's, it's different, though, in the playoffs, right? Because in the regular season, you can end in a tie. So there's a different feel to why the postseason you know, overtime rules matter. Because it does ultimately determine who's going to win or lose. You, you can't end in a tie. So that, that's, that's why I feel like this discussion's a little different. And one of the things that I love about the perspective of Andy Reid is he's been on both sides. He lost out the last time we were having this discussion, really, to the New England Patriots. They, they didn't win the coin toss. That was the end of it. But this time around, he benefited from it. And it's one of the reasons why I really don't have an issue with it because they could have won in regulation. They didn't. They could have just got to stop at some point. They didn't. And they've changed the overtime rules. People tend to forget it used to be the first score. That's correct. It used to be able to win off a field goal. <laughs> That's correct. So they, they've already changed it to appease the audience, the viewership. They've lessened the amount of time teams have to give more of a sense of urgency and a player safety standpoint. So for those people out there who are like, oh, dude, you need to make changes, they already have. <laughs> like they, they literally already have. They've made changes to these overtime rules already to try to help determine the way, outcome. When you go back and look and just think about that, a field goal and it's over. So basically yeah. you pick it's up like three you, first downs. You pick up twenty you pick up twenty five yards and you got Justin Tucker. And that that's a wrap, folks. Uh, we're yeah. on our way home. Like well, yeah. Well, and it is <laughs> a kickoff though. It, it is a kickoff. So you do have to drive to get into to field goal range, unlike, you know, in college. But the reason why I made the point, I know you can end in the tie but the reason why I made the point from the regular season, why isn't this conversation? We had ties take place this year. And, and, and it's still the same premise. The first team that scores a touchdown wins the game. There, there, was no, there was no, oh, the game ended in a tie. Oh, this, this, you know, there should be a different manner of which how, how you know, well, because the overtime I think is played. 
people feel like when it ends in a tie, like at least both teams got the ball. You know, it hasn't ended in a tie where only one team had it for the entirety of the OT, you know? But, but again, it comes down to if you don't get the ball first, you already know right out the gate your, your job is to stop them from scoring a touchdown. It, anything can happen other than a touchdown. They can kick a field goal. You get an opportunity. But you do not let them score a touchdown. And, and to me, to, to, you know, I get where Andy Reid is coming from. Like both teams, maybe that's the idea of it. Maybe both teams in, in the playoffs should get an opportunity to touch the ball. But with that being said, the rules were the rules coming into the game. Everybody knew if you ended up being in a tie coming out of regulation that these are the rules for overtime. If you don't want to lose the game, don't let them into the end zone. I mean, it's it's kind of as simple as, as that. And whether you ended up on the side of, of the coin where you got the ball first or you had to play defense, that's part of why you – to me, that's a part of why I enjoy the game is right. because you get to see they have to overcome in real time something such as uh, in the regulation period and an overtime period to decide who's going to win. And these are the rules. Everybody knows it going into the game. So I don't, I, I don't find myself sitting here feeling outraged or incensed or, or disappointed that Buffalo didn't get an opportunity. Buffalo needed to stop them. And they didn't. And I think that that's what it ultimately came down to. Uh, Here's the other thing that I don't really understand. So let's just say, hypothetically, we change the overtime rules. So everyone gets a possession. Okay. Um, Because it's very similar to if Kansas City would have went down, kicked a field goal, Buffalo gets it, they go down, they don't match that, it's it's over. Right? That's how the current rules are stated. So let's just say, okay, both teams get an opportunity. Well, the way this game was going, at least the last two minutes, Kansas City gets the football, they drive down, they score a touchdown. Buffalo gets the football, they drive down, they, get, they score a touchdown. Kansas City gets the football, they drive down, they get a touchdown, game over. What did we change? Like, literally, yeah. like, like, what did we change? Like, that's how the end of this game was going. Wh- what did we really change just by allowing both teams to get it if neither team could get a stop? Like, it's just, to me, it, it's a flawed argument. And I know there's a lot of people out there who like the college football overtime better. I, I, now, I like it better for different reasons. And that's because I do think it's actually better for player safety. And I do think it's more equitable. But it also is something that you can't roll up to the NFL because of how their overtime rules have been. And it would dramatically change the statistics and everything else that comes with it if you try to do that at the NFL level. And I will say this. For all the people out there who are like, no, no, you know, college football, it's, it's better. You don't have such lopsided results just from a coin toss. No, actually, you have worse results from it. College football overtimes, this, was, this is a, a data that was going back to, I want to say, 2017, 2018. The team that wins the coin toss wins in overtime almost 55% of the time. The NFL up to that point in time was about 52%. So if it's any indication, at least looking at overtimes in college in the NFL, the NFL still has the better method if you're looking at, you know, having a more equitable chance based on a coin toss. So people can champion or cheer for the college football version of overtime all they want. And again, I think if you're going to go from a player safety standpoint, you know, to me, it makes a little more sense. But 
again, it would dramatically change the record books if these things go into four or five overtimes like we've seen sometimes. Let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. What about if both teams got a chance to touch the ball and if they both score a touchdown, then it becomes first first point score you'll run into the same scenario in terms of ah well somebody should have been able to get the ball again if if they score but if they both score but at least the idea of they got an opportunity to match that touchdown before it went into the first touchdown wins or the first you know even if the first points wins if both teams were to score. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm good with that, but I don't know that we necessarily need that in the regular season. If they want to make that just a playoff rule to where when we hit the playoffs, this is what happens now. In hockey, you know, they do shootouts, but when you get to the postseason, we no longer do shootouts. It's just you play until somebody scores a goal and that's it. If they were to change this just for the playoffs, I'm okay with it. I don't know that we need to do that for the regular season. I, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I actually think if we're being real about this, I wouldn't even have an overtime in, in the regular season. I've, I've, I've been the type of person that said, if you're trying to make changes to the overtime rules, and, and we're not talking about you know, regular season, postseason, but if you're trying to make changes to it and you're implementing player safety, yet it can still end in a tie like it can in the regular season, why have it all together? Why make any of the players have to go through that in a 17-game yeah. season that's probably going to be an 18-game season? Kind of a waste of time. It's, it's an incredible waste of time. So instead of having an overtime at all, just have, regu- just have regulation be able to end in a tie, and then you have overtime rules that are purely strictly set for the playoffs. And, and then we can do this. We can have this discussion about, well, okay, maybe we want both teams to touch the football. That's great. But as I pointed out, like in this instance, what does that really solve? If Kansas City goes down and score and Buffalo goes down and score and then Kansas City goes and scores, what does that really solve? We, we would have had that the first time around. I mean, at some point, the defense, to LeVar's point, has to get a stop. Like, we have to stop acting like that teams, you know, like everything needs to be, like, fair. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So, sometimes your defense has to step up and make a play. Like, defense wins championships, right? That's what they well, say. I mean, that's that what they say, changed. but apparently we don't, we don't use it in this argument. <laughs> that moniker may have changed, but that's what, what they say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, used to, I, used to, I used to ride and die with that comment, but I don't know about nowadays. I don't know if that still exists. Was, but. It, was it Nick Saban a couple of years ago? It was like, yeah, that's no longer the case. Like, you know, yeah. We need to score points. Like, we can no longer rely on our defense in today's football. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and is there anything to the fact that the most – the most glaring examples of you know people wanting overtime rules changed are you know Patriots Falcons um, you know Bills uh, Bills Chiefs and then Patriots Chiefs. It was all the team that had the momentum and then got the ball to start overtime and never gave it up. Is there something to that that defense is so gassed at that point? And, oh, yeah. and, and, and when that's happening, it's just a snowball effect and there's no way to get off the field because it did look like Buffalo was gassed at that point. Uh, I Lamar, I love when like guys are like, oh, they got their hands on their hips. They're tired, you know. Like people, yeah. you always say that with the defense. Oh, they got the hands on the hips. They're they're bent over. They're tired. I'm like, dude, the offense is just as tired too. Like <laughs> like, like they've been I out there that understood. whole time. As I well. never understood. Yeah, I never understood that. Oh, the defense is more gas than the offense is. I I've never understood that. But I I will I will say in terms of a defense being gassed, I think that it's more about the the beliefs of of what you're doing right if a team starts to have success 
and they find find holes in the defense, you found those holes in the defense, generally speaking. And I hate if that's breaking news to some people, but if you have found where the defense is soft, that's generally where that defense is soft because coming into a game, you can adjust. Like, okay, we'll adjust coverages. We Instead of going into a zone, we'll we'll try to disguise it and, and, and play a man here or do a full zone but look like we're going to play man. You have to try to pre-snap disguise and even post-snap early on in, in, in the down, try to disguise what it is you're exactly going to do because you do the same damn thing every single play. Whether it be you rolling coverages, whether it be your bracket coveraging, whether it's a man coverage versus a zone, there's only so many things that a linebacker does coverage-wise. There are only so many things that a cornerback does coverage-wise, so on and so forth for safeties. So if you're not able to, if you're not able to stop an offense, and an offense has found a rhythm as to how things are going with with your unit, chances are. It's going to be hard during the course of that day, that game, to be able to stop that offense. And we saw that happen with Tampa Bay this past weekend. Chances are that's just going to be difficult for you to stop them because they found it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 